talking to yourself or you're listening to yourself. It's really easy for all of us to just listen to ourselves. The voice comes in, I'm no good, I can't do this, I'm off track. But to catch yourself and flip that into not talking to yourself, choosing the thoughts and choosing what you're going to tell yourself versus just listening to that inner critic. The thing that's been a great strength for me is just having a strong internal belief system in the fact that over time, consistent work ethic always works itself out. I've never had a time in my career where consistent effort didn't lead to, at some point, the result I wanted. Jake Miser has become a winner in life through developing the right mindset and backing it up with a solid work ethic. As the Buckeye Division Manager for Cutco Vector, Jake has produced nearly $20 million in sales and will soon qualify for the company's Hall of Fame. His path to success has had plenty of challenges, and Jake has become known as someone with a strong internal drive who maintains an even keel while seeking answers and consistently applying himself towards his goals. It's time to learn how to think like a winner with Buckeye Division Manager, Jake Miser. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Jake Miser. Jake is the division manager for the Buckeye Division in Ohio, and he's been with the company since 2007. Jake started in the West Cleveland area. He went to Ohio Wesleyan University, where he was an econ major and psychology minor, played soccer out there for a while as well, ran two branches during college. His second one did $262,000 in sales, was number eight in the nation. He graduated and became a district manager with Cutco Vector in 2010. A few years later, he took the helm of the Buckeye division uh, in 2013. At this point, Jake is knocking on the door of $20 million in career sales, which means he's about to qualify for the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame. That's an awesome achievement. And also notably, Jake is having his best year ever in 2020 already in his pilot office and great things brewing in his division. So excited for this conversation today, Jake Miser. Thank you so much for making time for the podcast. Dan, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here, excited to be on. Great to hear that. 
let's start out by getting a little bit into your personal background, Jake. I, I have not had a tremendous amount of opportunity to really get to know you. We're we're not in close proximity. We're kind of in, you know, two different sides of the company. And I would love uh, to be able to hear a little bit about your personal background and have our audience as well get to know you before we start getting into your Cutco career. Sure. Yeah. I'm uh, originally from the Cleveland area and uh, I'm the um, kind of sports was life type of kid growing up. I'm the oldest of three, younger brother, younger sister. And, you know, you mentioned the soccer. I played soccer. It was just soccer, basketball my whole life growing up sports teams, travel, club soccer, all that good stuff. And uh, love to compete, love love that type of life, travel outside the state for sports, all that stuff. When I was a kid, I really feel like the background that, that ties nicely into kind of maybe what we might touch on a little bit today was some of the skills I developed at a young age in leadership that I was kind of forced into through sports. And, and we can certainly hit on that if you'd like to, Dan. And, and uh, kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Jake, the idea of uh, competitive sports and how it ties into success in Vector uh, really resonates for me because I've worked with a ton of college athletes over the years, you know, people that played various sports in college. I've worked with a few people who, who have become pro athletes, and I've actually worked with a couple who were pro athletes before working in Vector. And there are so many great things that one learns from that type of endeavor that relate to what we do? Did you find there was a lot of valuable skills you gained from sports that tied directly over to Cutco? Yeah, the the competitive nature um, was a big thing. But one of the things that I think transitioned for me nicely was, was actually a scenario that I didn't ask to be put into was in high school, going into high school, freshman, sophomore year, I was on the varsity team for for soccer and we were growing. Um, the team was looking good for going into our junior year. Uh, but then my coach left and um, he was a great coach. He uh, just personal reasons stepped aside. And this created a lot of question marks on our team. And long story short, we had all of the best players switch over to football. And this left us without a coach in June, July, the season starting in August, and I had aspirations to um, you know, play in college. So this is a really big deal for me. We're basically about to start the season with no coach. And uh, we have four or five of the other best up-and-comers on the team leave the team to go play football. So I'm having conversations with my uh, parents about what we're going to do. My we're talking about renting a an apartment in a different town so I could transfer high schools to continue to play. And it really fostered this kind of like inside of me, hey, you know, stay true to the path, focus on what you can control. So I did. I, I ran practices for the eight or nine guys that we had, waited for a coach to kind of come along. And sure enough, seeing this happen, one of my buddies who was Going to be, a, he played football, but he always loved soccer. He decides, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go join Jake and see what happens. So he comes over to soccer, and that created rifts in the football team. And then we finally we get a coach, and this coach is more so just kind of brought on because we, he knows he can get kids to play. I mean, he doesn't really know how to coach soccer, at least in my opinion. At that time, I'd had a lot of coaching that was was pretty good from the club level. So long story short, I end up recruiting a bunch of my buddies back onto the team. 
my junior and senior year, I'm forced into, you know, our trainer called me Coach Jake to give you an idea uh, for my junior and senior year of high school. So I think at that point, not only did I learn a lot about kind of handling challenge and something that was, you know, this was my life at that point, but also um, was forced into, you know, a leadership role that I didn't necessarily ask for. So that's kind of, you know, the background that I left high school and then kind of pursued it and was able to pursue it in college for a few years. And then kind of Cutco came along after that. Oh, you were like a player coach. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool to hear. How did you start selling Cutco, Jake? You know, similar to a lot of people, Cutco kind of found me, college friend, referred me. I was busser, dishwasher at a, at a retirement home at the time and uh, started as a sales rep in our West Cleveland location, like you mentioned. You know, the funny thing about my story with Cutco is I wasn't very good when I started. I remember, you know, almost two weeks into the job, hitting my first pay raise, which, like we, we talked about promotion and telling my manager and I was all excited and I'm like, Hey, I guess what? I had my first promotion. And she she just kind of looked at me like, yeah, like oh, nice job. And I, I was expecting this big like congrats, but it was, you know, now we have people that hit it their first day, second day, third day. But yeah, that was that was me initially when I started. But you know, kept figuring it out, found things similar to, you know, I shared that that really motivated me, and then pursued the management opportunity a couple of times through college as well. Yeah. What were some of the key experiences and lessons you had in the early part of your career? I think not being good was a lesson as a sales rep. And then even as a branch manager, I mean, to give you an idea, my first branch office did um, over $90,000 in sales. But the first month of May, I did 4000 And 3000 of that was my college roommate. So uh, I, I think a lesson that I learned was the importance of perseverance and um, staying true to the course. That was important both as a sales representative and then my first management experience. You know, for me, the position was very much outside my comfort zone. Um, I'm naturally a more kind of just calm, reserved, maybe more introverted type personality. So uh, to give you an idea, I was scared. I threw my phone across the room when we initially had to learn how to call people. So the, the lessons that came from just that personal growth but I think I also found that the big driver, it wasn't anything outside of, of me that was going to lead to my success. I had to really lean into introspection, if you will, um, to find internal motivators. And those really shined as I developed as a sales rep and then also as I developed as a manager. Yeah, that's definitely something worth us uh getting into as we continue here, just that the big driver was inside of you. Ultimately, I think that everybody to be successful in whatever they do, it has to find intrinsic motivation. But if you're always motivated by external factors, it's not a healthy and long-term sustainable way of being excellent at what you do. And so um, I'll definitely uh, dig into that a little bit more with you as we go along. Now you branched twice and you almost tripled the results the second time. And the first time was not bad. $90,000 in sales in a branch office with Vector is a pretty decent job. But uh, almost tripling that the second time, what do you think made the difference? Vision. I think you know once I f- went through the first experience in management and gained that personal confidence in myself, then it became all about laying out the vision for myself and my people and 
even though, you know, I may, I, I still to this day wouldn't qualify myself as the, um, you know, galvanize the troops type of personality, the charismatic leader, if you will. But I, I had a strong personal vision, which I think resonated with people um, and more importantly, resonated with myself. And then also, you know, as an econ major in college, I also understood the math and, and was able to use kind of the the math of business to kind of work through the numbers and create create kind of the plan that I uh, that I set forth. Yeah, it's so important for uh, a leader to have that vision that you described of what is going to be built, why it's going to be exciting, and that's what rallies people to the cause. And it's what gets people to be really motivated and inspired. We're in a business that I feel like in many ways sort of it contradicts human nature. Human nature is to do what's easy, take the easy path. It's not to take on stuff that's difficult. And we're asking our reps to do stuff like, you know, making phone calls like you did that very first time and, and struggled with, right? And we're asking reps to do things that are in many cases uncomfortable to them. And in order for that to work, there has to be reasons. There has to be compelling reasons. And that, that element of vision that you described is one of the key things that I think just makes everything work uh, in our business. Yeah. I, it's funny, as you say that, I'm looking at a sign in my office that says, when there is no vision, the people perish. It's a proverb. And I remember vividly sitting at the eye doctors at the age of 22 and seeing this same sign as you're, you know, obviously the, the eye doctor, it makes perfect sense. And just it resonating and just carrying that has been important, important lesson for me over the years. Yeah, for sure. So now you became a district manager when you graduated and you moved pretty quickly from uh, DM to division manager about three years or so. What do you feel like were some of the top factors in your success? A couple things. I, I would say first off, consistency. You know, I was the manager and that was always towards the top, but rarely at the top, but never, never in the middle, never in the bottom. So I think just consistent performance week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. I, I had a colleague say to me once, you know, you're kind of like Tim Duncan. You know, we're talking sports and stuff like that. N nothing flashy, never, you know, in the limelight necessarily, but always, you know, always consistent. That was a big key to success, I would say, reflecting. And then that's a great guy to be associated with, by the way. Yeah, I would be honored if anyone ever, you know, used me in a description with, uh, you know, being as like Tim Duncan at anything. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought that that was a, that was a great compliment. And then. Um, I think at that time, one-on-one -on -one relationships were a key strength of mine. And because, and like I said, I felt, felel strong about my vision and, and getting one-on-one -on -one time with people to share that vision, galvanize from an individual level, not from the group level, but more so tie people into what we were building as a team led to district team success and not only my office, but other offices, which helped me to uh, you know earn a promotion pr pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah. Well, those are some good points that helped you. As you got into becoming a division manager, I'm wondering a little bit about how your leadership style evolved. How did you figure out what made you great and learn to leverage more of those strengths in a leadership role? Well, first off, kind of coupled with the the one-on-one -on -one comment, I learned early on as a division manager that 
there's only so much time. So I had to learn that I wasn't able to really get that one-on-one time with people as much because there's more people demanding my time. Um, So I had to learn how to become more open with who I was and, and share more of myself with my team so they could kind of get tied into our vision in, in little little bits and quicker, I guess. Developing relationships quicker was something that had to evolve for me. I also think because you know when you when you have a bigger growing organization or or you have more you know demands on your time, the hey, telling people what to do or even the hey, watch me do this leadership style can take its course. So I, I think the biggest thing that I learned over over the first couple of years was really teaching people how to think about their challenges and think about their opportunities. It created a greater capacity for them, but it also allowed me to connect with them on a deeper level than me just telling them, hey, this is what I suggest you do. Yeah. I love what you said about teaching people how to think about their challenges. Can you unpack that a little bit and get in a little more of some of the stuff that you would have uh, have discussed with some of your people? Sure. Framing, I think, is really important. So someone comes to you with a situation or a challenge with another representative on their team or you know one of their assistant managers or staff and allowing them to see the full picture and giving them permission and space to explore, okay, here's, here's the full picture. Also, we're all victims of our own circumstances and you know our, our world can feel like everything. So kind of creating the perspective of, hey, here's what this means in the bigger picture. So allowing them to think a little bit, teaching them to think a little bit longer term or mm-hmm. I think that has been something that I'm continuing to evolve and work on and I, I've seen I've seen how it can have that trickle down effect. Mm. That idea of of teaching people how to think a little bit longer term about what's in front of them that provides a perspective that I think is very very valuable and important to, for sure. That makes a big difference. How about uh, you described yourself as being you know more reserved, maybe introverted. And a lot of times people don't necessarily associate that with somebody who's going to be a you know, high-powered leader of a big organization. But in reality, I think there are many, many strengths that you have. How did you sort of adapt your personality as you were leading a bigger and bigger organization, as you were developing this big team? Yes. Yeah, so, so being more open with sharing little things about myself, I think, has been because it's as a reserved person, you, you know, it's not always like, hey, share all the details. So that was something that I, I had conversations about with other leaders about how do you do this? How do you how do you organize, you know, big groups to follow you? So sharing more of myself, but also I think as someone who is a more kind of relaxed, calm personality, it's actually served as a great strength for me because I think it makes people really comfortable. They know what they're gonna get all the time. There's never the walking on eggshells type of feeling. People can be themselves because I'm just kind of myself. Right, uh, right. So I think that's served served my organization quite a bit. Yeah, that's great stuff right there. I know that as a division manager, a big part of helping people is helping them work through the sort of natural ups and downs that happen in any sales position. And you know what we do 
is never going to be a straight line to success for virtually anyone, right? It's going to have its uh, ups and downs for sure. You've probably had that. And I, I know your people have that. And it seems like you're able to model the right mental attitude. You're able to model the right emotional state. How do you feel like you've learned to keep your attitude steady you know, when you're working in this environment here that's hyper-competitive and that uh, can, can sometimes be stressful? Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the sayings in, I think it's probably any business, but especially in ours is the best part about our business is the competition. The worst part about our business is the competition. You, maybe you, you've said that before. I know I've heard that before. And I say that to my people all the time. I think the thing that, that's been a great strength for me, if you will, and that I've tried to model in myself is just having a strong internal belief system in the fact that over time, consistent work ethic always works itself out. And trusting in the process that if I just get to the end of today and do the same thing tomorrow and do that enough times in a row, results are going to follow. I've never, I tell my people this all the time. It's one of our anchors. Work ethic always wins. I've never had a time in my career, really in anything in the business, outside the business where consistent just effort didn't lead to at some point the result I wanted. And oftentimes I got lucky along that way. So that's given me kind of a compass to wait to handle the ebbs and the flows. Uh, selective hearing has, has been big. Like a lot of people, they sometimes can they can put so much weight on on standings and results and contests. And I sometimes zone that stuff out because I'm I have my own goals. So I think that's helped me stick keep an even keel, coupled with just that's yeah, part of maybe who I am. But I I think that's been been a strength that's allowed me to. And then one thing I would just add is just over time, just growing and developing is just awareness of my emotions and being able to see them happen before and then respond to them before I let them play themselves out. Yeah. How do you feel like this develops? Like as much as I would like to think everyone who works in our business for more than say a summer or two should have this, you know, sort of even keeled ability to handle ups and downs and uh, to understand that you know work ethic always wins right the sort of running your own race concept i don't think it's that natural it, even in our business i think that so many people are just overly affected by short-term challenges or negativity it's like one small negative can ruin somebody's uh you know day week year right well, i used to joke with people about like getting a flat tire Right. And like, you know, you get a flat tire and for some people, it's like it, it literally ruins their month. You know, they're, they're negative and complaining about something forever. I used to get a flat tire back in the days when we would actually change tires. You know, we didn't have the run flats that you have to call a tow truck for. And I would when I got a flat tire, I would like hit the stopwatch on my car, on my watch or my phone or whatever. And then I would see how long it would take me to get back on the road. Right. How quickly could I actually change the tire and get back on the road? So, you know, you, you seem to have found this mentality somewhere along the lines in your life. Is it, do you feel like you had that when you were playing soccer? You know, did you, were you able to handle the losses without getting, you know, overly emotional? It was funny you bring that up. My mom said that when I was six, my sister, my younger sister, she was four, she'd be throwing a tantrum. And my mom would come over to me and say, Jake, can you calm her down? 
<laughs> I was kind of that, that, I don't know. So that there's some, some of it that was inherent, intrinsic, like always just kind of, kind of brushes off my shoulders type of feeling. But in our business, you know, we can be very much or in any business, very much, you know, we put hours and like long days, long weeks, especially, you know, during our busy seasons, we're committed, we're all in. I try to instill in my people even and just remind myself of just perspective. Like we have a bad day. We don't hit our goals in sales or something like that. In other businesses, a doctor example, you know, someone's life could be on the line if they have a bad day. So perspective, um, I try to remind myself of that consistently, not taking myself too seriously humble. Like I'm committed to my goals, but like at the same time, if I don't hit them, what really is affected besides me? And is it's having a, in a lot of cases for me, it's also having, um, you know, that hearing and learning to not tie your worth into your results. So that would be probably the easiest way I could sum that up. And it's it's tough. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I do believe that some of what you shared is sort of hardwired into some people. I think I have some of the same sort of inherent personality traits that enable what you just said. But I also feel like anybody, the more they hear the importance of this idea, and the more they train themselves in those moments when something negative is happening, to look at what is the gift, for example, if that's the question everybody asked whenever something bad happened, what could be the gift here? What could be the silver lining here? They're quickly redirecting their mind off of what's negative and onto something more constructive. And the more that we train ourselves to do that, the easier it gets. So and it it just seems like that's something that you teach people on a regular basis. Yeah. One of the things that I, I don't know where I heard this or read this, but I try to say to my people all the time, are you talking to yourself or are you listening to yourself? It's really easy for all of us to just listen to ourselves, right? You know, the voice comes in, I'm no good. I can't do this. I'm off track, all that stuff. But to catch yourself and, and flip that into not talking to yourself, right? And choosing the thoughts and choosing what you're going to tell yourself versus just listening to that inner critic. Uh, that that was brilliant. I mean, the, the self-talk is such a key part of managing one's attitude. And just to, it's so important to be doing that. You referenced uh, one of your anchors, you said, was work ethic always wins. Are there other key anchors for your business that you that you talk about and promote? Yeah, one that I think ties in most to, again, the concept of how I want to get my people to think is being intentional never going through the motions. It's so hard to do, but intentionality, being intentional when you're when you're doing something, you don't just do it. You think about the objective of why you're doing it. You think about the intent. There's a goal tied to it. The last thing I want my people to do, the last thing I want to do is ever feel like I just went through a day and just kind of made it through the day. And don't get me wrong, I have plenty of days like that, but being intentional. And then the other two are tied to our business in the sense of recruiting the best. I want our people intentionally going after the best people that we can build our team with. And then the other one is our division motto, which is building the dream, which for me is all about what we've kind of hit on with having a vision. And I, I try to share with our people that it's not just about our vision for our organization, but using, like we talk a lot about a lot of using our Cutco opportunity as a vehicle to build their dreams or build the lifestyle of their dreams. So those are our four. Yeah, those were good. The idea of intentionality and you referenced that it's not every day that you're able to do this in your own life. I think we, we would all say 
no one is intentional every single day, all the time. But the more you can do that, the more that you can live your life in a way that is intentional, that is, you know, uh, working towards specific things that you want, the more likely you are to end up having the success that you want in the long term. It's, it's a key thing to train yourself just to have that, that uh, aspect of intentionality. And you reference building the dream. You know, what I'm always reminded of very often is just the idea that the people that we have working with us, they're working for something that they want. They're working for something they want in their life. They're working for a better lifestyle. They're working for, you know, a, a higher income that's going to open up new choices. They're working for advancement. You know, a lot of the people that we work with are young, so it might be different than, you know, somebody who's 40 or 50 years old or older. But regardless, you know, of who you are, how old you are, uh, we are working so we can live, right? We're working towards dreams and goals. And the, the better a leader is at helping people identify what those dreams and goals are that they're working for, the more you're going to get out of people when they are working. And is that something that you, you try to bring to the table with the people you're working with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, I don't think you should ever be taking action without an intent for a longer-term vision, for a longer-term future, because frankly, that doesn't sound very fun. And we all are here to enjoy, enjoy what we do. If you know that not only does it have meaning now, but it can have meaning in the future, you're going to get your best self out of whatever that is. So, Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. Anything else that stands out that you felt like would be important for people to hear about? There's a funny story I can share with you about kind of this, this whole theme that happened just a couple of months ago on the kind of calm, emotional awareness regulation. I, I had uh, my car stolen in July. And mm. uh, this was three hours before our biggest meeting of the summer that I'm hosting and running online for during our SC2 push contest. And the things that I teach came full circle in that moment of, okay, I can't control this right now. I, I have to manage my emotions. I have to bring my best to, to this situation. And, uh, it's now it's a funny story. Got the car back and, and, and all of that. But I, I remember having a conversation with my region manager. 10 minutes later, he called me for our one-on-one -on -one call because he was speaking at that meeting. And he said, how you doing? You ready for the meeting? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm ready. But, uh, you know, I just my car just got stolen. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I took that 10 minutes, became aware of what I was feeling, all of that, lived, lived through those emotions and said, you know, I'll, I'll kind of deal with this later. And the meeting went exceptionally well from the feedback we received. And so, yeah, it's, it's a constant practice. We're always thrown into situations, whether we like it or not. So, yeah, uh, it's so important for people to learn to put challenges they have into a box when you have to, and then go open that box when it's time to open it, but be able to kind of put it aside for a while. Cause a lot of times people will encounter some of the most small things and they'll feel like it's urgent that like, oh my God, I have to deal with this right now. And you were about to run a meeting with, you know, who knows how many people that were, you know, needing you, you're responsible to them. This issue comes up a few minutes before. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a stolen car, right? But it's not something that you have to address in that exact moment for the entire afternoon, right? You can come back to it after you were done with the thing that you were committed to 
that day. And I think people could take that example and think about a lot of things in their life that come up that, you know, are not necessary to deal with right this minute. Uh, you can learn to put them in a box and come back to them later. And in fact, with some of those things, you'll never even come back to it because it, it becomes a non-issue down the road. So that's, right. a good, that's a good lesson. Now, Jake, you're having your best year right here in 2020, which is pretty cool to hear. I know uh, a lot of my friends and associates ask me, hey, so how's it going in your business this year? And they sort of expect like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and it's pretty cool right? To be able to say that things are going well. And you know, for you to be able to say that says a lot about you. How have you viewed the challenges and the opportunities that have come about this year? Yeah, I think one of the things that's developed just over the last few years is that there's always an answer if you're willing to search for it type of mentality. And you know, Dan, the, the company did an excellent job rallying as a team but if there's a market and there's a mean to deliver your product or service to that market, then there's always an answer. So I think the way that my team and my organization approached the challenges of, of, of everything that has gone on in 2020 was that concept of, okay, we know we have demand for work and we know we have demand for our product. We got to be innovative. We got to be fluid. We got to be willing to change. We got to be willing to implement right away. And to be honest, the challenges have actually created greater opportunities. I feel our team's more connected. I feel we have a greater culture. The utilization of, of breakout rooms for, for relationships, involvement has become easier. People can shadow and be involved in things because they're a click away. They're a, they're a moment away by opening up their computer. The environment, we've promoted an inclusive environment. And, you know, really taking the time to think about what's going on in the world. How could we be you know, a beacon of hope. How, how can we, and that was our mission this summer is we wanted to provide that, uh, you know, an, an outlet for people. And I think that resonated. And I, I think it's still kind of carrying, carrying through as we speak. So. Yeah. It's great to hear all those uh, things that are going well in your organization. You said uh, there's always an answer if you're willing to search. I think it's so important when people encounter any difficulty to be thinking about what are the answers? What are my next steps? Where do I go from here? And you can only do that if you believe that there's an answer. And I love what you said, that there's always an answer if you're willing to search. And once you have that belief, it becomes a lot easier to redirect yourself into finding solutions to any problem that comes up, whether it's in you know personal or professional life. So pretty cool to hear. What's, uh, what's next for Jake Miser and the Buckeye Division? Oh, man. One quick thing on what you just said there. And maybe I even heard this from you at a conference in the past, but on that same note, I'm finding an answer. The thing I like to say to my team is we, we got to be people that think in terms of possibility versus probability. Was that you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. That's, uh, that's been helpful for myself, for our team. You know, I think you're going to see some really exciting breakout performances in the Buckeye division in 2021 and beyond. We have a great nucleus of future leaders. They're hungry. They're excited for the future. They're just that. They're, they're possibility thinkers. They challenge the status quo. They want more for themselves. So I'm excited for our team. And how about uh, for you personally, Jake? You know, the theme of the podcast is changing lives. And as you look ahead, how do you aspire to change people's lives through what you do? Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think a big theme of the podcast is growth and, and um, changing lives. Obviously, I, I think the only way that I'm able to do that is if I continue to focus on growing myself so I have more to give. And hopefully that results in me continuing to provide a platform for people to grow. And, uh, you know, if I do that, I teach them to think in terms of a possibility, then hopefully that trickles down into people they interact with and their families, their communities, and has an impact on everyone they come to, come to meet. You know, I, I like to say one of my objectives long-term is, is to kind of have an impact on my family tree. And uh, whether that's my current family tree or, you know, the Cutco Vector family tree. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a great objective. You, you said growing yourself so you have more to give. What, what are some of the outlets that you have to be able to share the things you're learning as you're growing yourself, right? What are some of the events or things you do to share that with the people around you? Right now, I'm, I'm doing a challenge. I think uh, some other some others that may know about 75 hard. So I've shared that, which is 75 days of which I want to recognize my brother. He talked me into it. He's doing it too. But uh, sharing that with people has actually led to a few people starting it in my organization. It's created these different conversations. So being on a pursuit for personal growth myself and talking about it has has kind of had a trickle down effect. You're sharing that one on social media? No, actually, just just sharing it out loud. Just saying, here's what I'm doing, and on on meetings, on calls, because part of this challenge is you have to read ten pages a day and. Uh, I'll typically start one of our leadership meetings with a quote from something I'm reading so that sometimes I just had one of our, one of our guys reach out the other day and said, Hey, you, you know, that book, where did you get it? That type of stuff like that. But just, it just kind of comes up because when, if I'm in that mindset, if I'm in that growth mode, it, it just, it naturally happens. I guess I'm not, not being as intentional about that, but I think there's also a little bit of an art to not being as in your face that, that is attractive. Yeah. I, I love what you just said right there is that you're ta- you know, taking some of the things that you're doing and you're just sharing it as you're getting into events, you know, starting an event and sharing something you read that day or that you learned that day or something you did. Uh, it's you're modeling what you want other people to be able to do. And it really addresses that uh, idea that we talked about earlier, that, uh, which is that uh, people are working to live, right? And so even though you're at a, you know, running a work meeting, you're talking about stuff that doesn't necessarily apply to selling Cutco that people can benefit from. And, and that's a big part of why I think people like being around you and want to be around you more is they're getting that influence, that, that positive vibe from you uh, as, they're, uh, as they're working with you. So that's awesome. Great stuff today, Jake. Thank you so much for everything that you have shared. It's been good uh, spending time with you here in this context. And being able to share a little bit of, of your story and your lessons with the Cutco Vector community. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate being on. You're doing an awesome job with this. Love listening to it. So thank you for having me. All right. Jake Miser, everyone. Hope you liked that. You know, Jake talked about not being good at Cutco when he first got started. And, and something that came to my mind is the idea that we are not supposed to be good at most things when we first do them. Like it's actually the normal course of events to be bad or so-so or struggle, be a little bit mediocre at anything when you're very, very, very new at it. That's normal. 
So if you're encountering any aspect of your life where you're just getting started on something and you're not doing well, that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. What helped Jake was he had an internal drive to succeed. He had a great work ethic and he believed that he could learn. He believed that he could grow. And when you put those things together, then you're inevitably going to reach success at anything that you do. Jake also has learned to run his own race in a place here in Vector that can be hyper-competitive and very, very difficult to, quote, win at if your definition of winning is being number one at what you do. The problem with that goal is only one person can hit it. But Jake has been able to have tremendous success by learning to run his own race. He described consistency as being a key element to his success, never being flashy, but always getting the job done, like Tim Duncan, the great NBA player. Uh, Jake leveraged his ability to build relationships one-on-one, adapted his personality to learn to be more open with people, to be able to connect right? One-on-one relationship building is certainly a key to any aspect of leadership. And I love how Jake described how he teaches people how to think about challenges, teaches people about framing skills, about viewing things longer term. Are you talking to yourself or just listening to yourself? Jake said, right? Because there's, there's a little voice in all of our heads, And oftentimes, what it starts to talk about are insecurities that we have, fears that we have, worries that we have. And it's important to counterbalance that by talking to yourself and telling yourself what you want to have happen, where you are going, learning to use positive affirmations in your life that remind you of what you want to achieve and who you want to be. Jake said there's always an answer if you're willing to search, and it's important to focus on possibility more than probability. And I just want to reiterate the things I said a few moments ago about what helped make Jake successful, the internal drive to succeed, the work ethic, and the belief that you can find the answers, you can grow, you can improve. Those three things can help anyone listening to achieve success at anything you are doing. That that inner drive to succeed comes when you truly identify your reasons, what is most important to you. The work ethic is nothing more than a decision that you make. It's not about working 15 or 16 hours a day, but about being most productive within the hours that you choose to work. Greatness in the moment is a phrase I've used to describe excellent work ethic. And then, of course, that belief that if you search, answers are out there. If you implement those answers, you'll improve, you'll grow, you'll get better. You'll be able to achieve anything that you want. It was great to hear these insights from Jake Miser today. Jake is leveraging his strengths in order to become a winner. A great tool I can share with you to learn more about your own strengths and opportunities is the Core Values Index, or CVI. 
CVI is the most reliable personality assessment ever created. Uh, many leaders in my circles, both in and out of Vector, have used CVI to learn more about themselves and about the people they lead. If you've ever heard your manager use the terms builder, merchant, innovator, or banker, that's from the CVI. Uh, I've arranged for our listeners to get a free CVI assessment. You can get that by visiting erep.com slash e slash dc. That's erep, E-R-E-P dot com slash e slash dc. It takes less than 10 minutes to complete. You'll get your results immediately. And you'll also have an option to upgrade your report to a detailed assessment that will blow you away with what it teaches you about yourself and about how to better interact with others. Anyway, check it out at erep.com slash e slash dc. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.